Mortal Kombat! Oh, wait, that wasn't actually in this movie for once. I'm shocked. Better effects overall, but people were here to talk about the brand new 2021 HBO Max directly released Mortal Kombat, directed by Simon McCoy. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Produced by James Wan, starring a whole cast of characters. Chris, you ready to get into this? Yeah, man. From hell I've risen to talk about the newest Mortal Kombat movie, and I'm back with a vengeance, man. Is it hell or is it nether realm? Which is it? Like, I, I don't really, I'm not really that brushed up on my Mortal Kombat terminology. Hey, man, we'll find out in this review, won't we? All right. Stay tuned, <laughs> people. It's Mortal Kombat time. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I mean, you, you could almost call this fate. You could almost call this, like, kind of the coming full circle after, you know, a couple things that we did last year. Obviously, you know, famously, obviously, we know that Mortal Kombat is kind of like the most hailed video game movie ever made. Whether it's actually the best, well, we all know the kind of very low bar that it has to overcome as far as that goes. But it's definitely safe to say that the original Mortal Kombat is a cult hit, to say the least. So this movie comes out. We have the brand new Mortal Kombat 2021. It was kind of like under the radar when it was supposed to originally come out in 2020, pre the pandemic. And now that it's out, obviously, it was announced as part of like HBO Max's big dump when they were dumping all their movies on HBO. And it seems to, again, like be the one thing that has actually been able to allow them to have a leg against Disney is the fact that HBO Max is like, is really kind of like the only competition to Disney because literally no one else is talking about anything other than WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is just kind of annoying and disheartening just for us in general. But, like, I don't know. What were your thoughts kind of going in, like, when you heard about, like, the idea of a new Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah, I uh, I was looking forward to it because I really enjoy that first movie just for how silly it is. We had a great experience as well hosting our watch-along of it for the guy at the film festival, the first annual. So there's, like, a lot, a lot of, of good fun. memories attached to that movie. Plus, like, as ridiculous as it is, it's, it's still, like, fun and just awesome for what it is so we'll, we'll save that for a later segment but so when i hear mortal kombat someone who is a big video gamer who never really played that, that type of video game i'm not really too into the whole fighting video game thing i kind of like the more narrative driven story games e either way i was excited like because i'm thinking to myself okay we have a chance to really kind of up this up this up this up this from what it was with the whole i'm talking about quality of the fight scenes which they didn't have a big budget for back then the animation which is clearly needed to make these video game characters look like they do in the games just a better chance to right the wrongs of the script for for as much as i love the first one it's not the strongest and i can keep going with the things that i was looking forward to about this film because it's kind of like a reboot it's like a soft reboot there's no attachment to the old ones as far as i picked up on and we had a lot of i'd say promise coming into this so do with that what you will, Dom. Well, it's fascinating because I w without spoiling anything, obviously, I have no relation to the video games. I famously have made it very clear I'm not a gamer at all, so I have no knowledge of, like, really any sort of kind of video game now. The only thing that I only know from my private sect of movie pretentiousness fandom is the fact that 
the video game movies just typically do not work. I don't know what it is. Like, there, a lot of people have been trying recently, and we've been seeing some different work. Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll see, obviously, once we get to The Last of Us on HBO Max, because that seems to be, like, the next big thing, video game-related property that people have been coming to. But it's interesting, because I, I've made this observation before on this channel, and I still stand by it, which is the sense that, video to me, video game stylisms and video game story techniques, when they're pulled and applied to other narratives, usually work really well and can and, and can result in some of like some really interesting and different movies. Some ideas that come to mind being Scott Pilgrim versus the World and Wreck It Ralph. But whenever it comes to direct video game adaptations, that's when we get into trouble. And historically, the problem has always been the fact that it's typical Hollywood studio mindset. It's the fact that they're trying to apply the studio mindset and franchisification of Hollywood to these kind of more niche stories that really require somebody with a deep interest and knowledge of the overall property and now we're finally starting to see that I feel like even though problematic as the movie was I feel like um David Bowie's uh, kid whose name I'm currently forgetting right now his Warcraft movie right um <laughs> was kind of a step in the right direction as far as that goes where he is it's like okay the movie may not have had a lot of broad appeal but at the very least you could tell it was made by somebody who very much enjoyed the world of Warcraft lore you know and now we've got this Mortal Kombat movie right which has been both helped and hurt by, I feel like, every other circumstance that goes into pretty much every single um, kind of release that's coming out, you know, pre post the pandemic in this case, right? It's it's continuing with HBO Max and Warner Brothers' overall strategy of debuting it simultaneously on a streaming platform and in theaters, right? That, prove, that has proved to have mixed results so far. The Little Things was kind of just swept under the rug and forgotten about. Judas and the Black Messiah was a tremendous hit with Oscar voters. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong was a smash hit and the only movie that's actually made any money this year. And then you have the whole thing with the Snyder Cut, which, again, I I've talked to death about that and I really don't want to talk about that anymore. But this is a unique instance because this is... Again, it's still really only too soon because it's only been two days since the movie premiered. But already, we've seen a really interesting reaction, you know, to say the least. And before we actually get into the topics that we're going to cover on the podcast, I just wanted to put out there that it is very fascinating that the types of discussions that have been going around this movie are still being had, let's say, in kind of the modern-day digital internet age, you know? What's your take on all that? No, I think that was all really well said. I think you have to bring in the World of Warcraft movie into the conversation because for all of its falls, uh, its pitfalls and its faults, it really did try to bring at least a level of cinema to <laughs> something which should have a level of cinema, which is video game movies, which it's been pretty non-existent. I don't know if you ever saw the Assassin's Creed movie. I I did not. I skipped that. Yeah, I try to forget that one, <laughs> but sometimes late at night, it comes back to haunt me. It's one of those things where I love the games, oh, man. but man, you really could have almost ruined that for me. Quote, quote some baby grand there in order to reinforce <laughs> just how bad that movie was. Yeah, I yeah, love it. yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, for sure. And you know, it's just so unfortunate, man, that like we have to keep having these types of conversations around video game movies, which is why I'm really excited to see if we both felt that this was a sort of step in the right direction or possibly a step backwards. Because I, for for all of its pitfalls, like I said, I would still say the World of Warcraft film was. The first step in the positive direction since maybe Mortal Kombat yes. 95? Maybe. Yes, it's, <laughs> uh, again, like, obviously we know about the Super Mario Brothers movie and the disaster that that was, and Mortal Kombat, again, it seemed like a breath of fresh air. Again, the movie had a lot of pitfalls surrounding the production, but ultimately it managed to make it yeah. work, you know? And what's interesting is, as before we get into the, the conversation, what was interesting is that certain things 
about that original Mortal Kombat, I definitely reconsidered my stance on after watching this movie, right? At the risk of spoiling my thoughts on this movie. So let's just get into this movie first and foremost, right? So Mortal Kombat 2021. Uh, this will be the spoiler-free section, so don't worry. Anybody who hasn't watched the movie yet or whatever, again, I still have no idea how. You still haven't because of, you know, streaming, but I get it. Work, busy lives, whatever. So spoiler-free thoughts at first. Um... Starting off, it definitely was doing all the things that, you know, a movie should do as far as kind of setting up the lore of this world, right? It does a little bit of uh, one of those uh, kind of, um, what's it called, red herrings where it leads you off thinking that it's going to be about a certain character and then it goes in a wildly different direction and shows that it's not. And so we get our main character, Cole Young, who is a character that is exclusive to the, to uh, to this movie. Uh, my, 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 my extensive research that I've done into this property has told me that, like, I, I know enough about all these characters except for that one guy and then I was told obviously by people who actually know about Mortal Kombat that uh, he is a character that is exclusive to the movie. He's going, he's got the typical hero's journey ahead of him overall that involves different Mortal Kombat characters, right? And at the risk of spoiling anything, the plot definitely kind of devolves into almost like TV pilot plot more than actual movie plot in the sense of where the movie starts off it's got this really awesome brisk pace to it a lot of things are happening you're getting introduced to a lot of characters all at once the action is already off to an amazing start right because that i think is what we could say is the best part about this movie is the action and the choreography overall which again is what was promised right that's what the, these filmmakers know these fans and just a majority of the fan base come to see right they don't actually care about the story right they care about the fights but guess what as i said on my godzilla versus kong review you can't just have a two hour long movie that's exclusively fights this movie in Godzilla vs. Kong came certainly close, but at the end of the day, you still do need a story to push you forward. And while I can definitely say that the fights are just as awesome as they promised, and the action and the choreography is just as awesome as they promised, and it was so beyond satisfying to have a fight with, again, every big budget movie now is going to have CG in it. It's just kind of, you know, modern day business economics in Hollywood. But it was so beyond refreshing to me to see a movie that actually relied on fight choreography with real people and not like an overextensive use of CG. That was definitely beyond refreshing. But the story, I will definitely say, kind of suffered from the idea of, oh, this is Warner Brothers, so of course we have to set up four or five more sequels. And while this did not necessarily have, it was not necessarily as egregious as, say, as something like the Fantastic Beast franchise, where it's like, oh, we literally have nothing here because we're saving all of our cards for the next movie. This did have something, but... I can't necessarily say if it was justified having the two-hour runtime, all right? And I feel like that's the most that I can say without directly spoiling anything else. So what are your what's your kind of take on all that? Yeah, yeah, no, I thought you kind of hit the nail on, on the head on a lot of those points. Yeah, so my spoiler-free thoughts are it's, it's a tricky beast because there was so much going for this movie that I really loved, right? I think it's pretty obvious. Everyone's going to say this, but look, if you like action... Even if you're someone like me who's re-falling in love with action, realizing their disenfranchisement comes elsewhere, aka not just from, you know, action films as a whole, but what we've been getting recently, this was refreshing because the action was, it served the plot, which the plot is a big issue, but it at least made sense why every character would sort of go head to head in certain situations. And it was so badass as well, sort of tapping into like Sub-Zero and using the icicle of blood and stabbing his 4,000-year-old arch enemy. I mean, it was pretty gnarly. Heads were being squashed, like literally crushed in between hands. Um, yeah. Th this movie from the start really told you, hey, like if you're a little squeamish, buckle up because it's going to be a rocky ride for you. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that. I really do. I think 
it needed to sort of find modernism in that sense where it couldn't go that far in the early, uh, you know, the early 90s installments, like I guess mid 90s rather. But I just think that they could have done that type of stuff, but it would have, I don't know if it would have translated as amazingly as it does now with CG and the way we're able to, you know, I think too many people have spent time working on different various blood splatter plugins, but hey, you know, I'm glad they exist in moments like this because this movie was awesome because of that. the special effects meets the practical. And yeah, not to not, not, not to cut you off too. Can we just talk about that for a second? Like, just as far as the whole violence of it sure. goes, because that, that's not a spoiler, right? It's the sense of where, like, obviously the the biggest criticism of the original is that it was had the PG thirteen rating, so they couldn't obviously go into the fatalities and the blood that made the original kind of as good as it was. But like, you know how it is with like like whenever that video game came out. I'm I'm again, I'm not the video game guy, so I'm totally <laughs> off on my kind of timelines and dates and everything. But like, if I remember correctly, it only resulted in like a few blood splatters, right? And I'll definitely say that. Kind of, this is part of like my fault because I have been preconditioned because of the era of Hollywood that I grew up in, right? Which is where I am preconditioned where if it's going to be blood splatter, it's going to be like yeah. some kind of crazy Thanks, alien blood splatter because that is just, right, because that is just how Hollywood works, right? As long as it's not human blood, you could go apeshit, yeah. right? But the difference being is that the, the violence that we saw before and the blood splatter that we saw before happened... Um, still kind of using old school film techniques. And I will say that as awesome as the violence was in this movie, they did the Deadpool thing where they had it all digital blood. And that definitely still has that sense of like kind of cartoonism to it. And it worked, I think. But especially given the fact that a majority of the deaths were happening to creatures and not real people, per se, there was definitely a level of kind of like confusion i'll say like a level of disconnect in my brain where it's like oh okay you know like did you get that at all or is that just me um well i totally agree with you hollywood has no regard for green blood or blue blood or you know purple blood they just splatter that everywhere <laughs> it's very confusing and and so for the first time we had that with like red blood which you know is assumed that's what you know humans in any world cinematically not attached to ours they still bleed red for the most part from what i've seen so yeah i thought it was cartoony and it was video gamey but i thought it worked because i think you look this movie was always going to be a hard sell it's going to be hard to get cinematic fans in the seats of this one action fans sure they mostly cross over with video game fans nowadays mortal kombat however while it is one of i'd say the titans of the video game industry Look, you guys are going to come at me in the comments here. It's fallen off, okay? It's not It's not in, in the same pristine place it used to be, all right? What are people talking about now? They're talking about Fortnite, was Call of Duty, Halo. It was a big dog, man. It was one of the big games of, right. of like the late 80s, early 90s. It really was, like a all titan right. of the industry, but it's not that anymore. So like, I just don't know how much of the audience is younger. So this really was made for Mortal Kombat fans. So in that regard, for me as a right. cinema fan, yeah, it's silly. But for me as a video game fan and understanding, I think, what you have to do to get butts and seats for this one, because the budget was pretty large, man. I mean, I haven't looked it up, but you could just tell, like, they really didn't spare a lot of expenses making no expense. this one. It's it's really stunning. It's visually really beautiful film like it looks the shots are really strong i thought which is crazy to say but i guess there are some great names attached to it like james wan and and all that type of stuff even though he was just producing he has input and so i think it worked but for me personally it's like my two sides of my brains are having an argument about if it worked you know yeah so so yeah. The, the last thing i was going to say is before we kind of jump out of the spoiler the spoiler free section 
look guys, don't go into this expecting for a Star Wars hero's journey type format. It, it is, I'd say, one of the poorer examples of the hero's journey. It's no Raya and the Last Dragon. It's, it's fun. And if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, you are going to leave that movie with your jaw on the ground. And if you're maybe like a younger kid who like likes violent video games and is with his friends, like I think I think the audience is going to find this film, but I don't think this film is going to find an audience outside of who it's intended for. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that per se. So that was our spoiler-free review. We're gonna jump more so into like kind of some of the more specifics, obviously. But let us know your thoughts on Mortal Kombat 2021 if you saw it so far on our spoiler-free review. Leave a comment in the comment section below. Be sure to also click the subscribe button and the and the bell next to the subscribe button. That way, you guys get notified every time we put up new content. We've got a couple more thoughts coming your way now, Chris. So we talked a lot, and now we can really dive into the nitty gritty as far as how this compares to the original. Now. I watched the original twice, actually, because I'd actually watched it uh, before we did it for the guy at the movies uh, film festival, and it was a lot of fun, per se. I will say, I, I I am sentimental to say the least. Again, even though I never played the video game, and kind of as far as where my brain goes, as far as like the, the connection to the video game, right? That might be where like kind of some of my disconnect to sword certain of this comes in because I'm not a video game, so I'm more so acclimated to like cinematic storytelling and not necessarily video game storytelling that hasn't you know translated over in the best of way. But that being said, I am all for that 90s cheese when it comes out, you know, even though I was born in the very back half of the 90s and barely can remember anything, I do still remember those early 2000s years when it was still kind of like trying to capture some of the spirits of the 90s, mm -hmm. and you know, I've got my fond memories, and I will say that there are, with I, I think it's safe to say that kind of there are going to be certain filmmaking techniques from that time period that don't translate to today, right? And that's just going to be simple off the bat. So you got to kind of take each one as it is. And I'm fine with doing that. But with that being said, I d it definitely is still a little bit unsatisfying to me when I see this movie kind of falling into a lot of kind of cliches and pitfalls of more modern-day filmmaking sensibilities that I am not necessarily the biggest fan of. And I feel like the primary example of that comes from the cast, which is where, the, say what you will about the original cast from that first Mortal Kombat 95, but at the very least, you cannot tell me that every single one of those actors was not having a freaking ball with that role. Literally right down to the guy who played Shang Tsung in the middle, acting purely with facial expressions, with some of the most strained facial muscles I have ever seen. And with this new cast, it is kind of all over the place as far as that goes, which is fine. That's what you want from a Mortal Kombat movie, right? You want a well-varied cast. You want kind of guys that like represent different levels. But like, you've got certain actors in there that are treating this like it's the most serious, regal Shakespearean thing. You've got certain actors that just look like they're confused and have no idea what they're doing there. Namely, to me, I'm sorry to say, but the Cole Young and the Sonya Blade characters. You have certain actors that are just kind of there to be badasses and they total work. And then there's Kano. Which, who, who is almost, I feel like, wins the Judd Nelson Award for almost being in a completely different movie. Because you can tell that that guy, Josh Lawson, first off, you can tell that this is the first chance that he's probably gotten in a while to actually play a badass. And second of all, you can tell that, like, he's making do with, like, the kind of the limited amount of screen time that he has. And he is just saying, he is definitely kind of in that old school mentality of, okay, I've only got a couple scenes in this movie, and, I, and I'm playing Kano, so I know I'm going to be dead by the end of it. I am turning it up to, not even 11, I'm going one step further. I'll do that. I'm turning it up to 12 in every single scene that I am in. And he certainly did that. 
and he was definitely certainly entertaining. There were certain parts of like, okay, it's 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 enough. You're mugging, like tone it down a bit. But like, what 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 are kind of your thoughts on that overall? Sure, yeah. So basically, I looked it up. Um, Josh Lawson, um, he actually improvised a lot, and they were okay with that. That makes sense. They were. That makes yeah, sense. and it does make a lot of sense. I think it sort of speaks to the screenplay, which we're saving for a later segment, but it speaks to the screenplay, how they were so okay with him sort of improvising these grotesque lines, which I think his character would say. The problem is it felt like an actor was saying them rather than a script was bringing out, or rather than an actor was right. bringing out the best of a ridiculous character from the page. Right. To save it for our later segment on the, on the screenplay itself, I, I won't go further, but the performances, man, it seems like that's what we're talking about in this segment, right? It it varies. It really does. Because I thought, you know, the opening sequence was actually really good. It's, uh, I think, the best yeah, part really of good. the movie from a critical standpoint. It's I, th- I thought it did linger a little bit towards the end after some of the resolve had happened, after the, um, the, the initial action. But still, I mean, it's... It's incredible that that way they hook you and they just bring you into the world. So and I and I think you know that that kind of goes without saying because of the whole fact of the matter of we we love I, I forget I'm forgetting his name right now but um the dude from Lost who comes in at season six with the temple. oh Hiroyuki Sonata who, yeah. who I called I don't remember I called when I saw him in the cast that he was going to be the best part about this movie and. Yeah. I mean, you tell me. Was I wrong? Not at all, man. Everything I've seen him in, he elevates. He even He's awesome. elevates Westworld, which is a crazy yes. statement to make. Elevating that show yeah. is a tall order, but he does it, and he does it so well. And so he's a great anchor point. He locks you into your seat. The, 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 I mean, like I said, the filmmaking in this movie was solid. It really was. Like It kind of made up for performances that weren't that good. I thought the set yes. design was pretty on point, too. I think the budget showed in the set design, and I think the budget showed in regards to how long we stayed in the locations that we were in. Yes. But they made it work. Yes. They really did. And and I think this movie did a lot of covering up for, I don't know what they were thinking with the casting for the most part. Poor choices, poor performances. I mean, Sonya yeah. was so and, and, flat. And, I, yeah. I, I, she was corny. Yeah. She was, I was not a fan. And, and it's, it's because you said something great at the start of this. How could an hour and 50 minutes feel so quick? And it's not a good kind yeah. of quick. It goes by quick. It's, it's because we had so... I mean, look, there's something to be said about movies that have too much exposition and, and dialing that back and just getting to the action, especially in an action format. But we need some sort of hook, right? Like, we really kind of just sped through all of these people's lives to get to the punching and kicking. And I think that we didn't right. have a chance to see good performances from most of them. But I also think that had we seen good, had we had more to see from them, we wouldn't be that wowed. I don't know what's your take on all that. It definitely fell into the territory of oh, these they're compensating for these characters by having to be exposition machines. Specifically, with and Jax and Sonya were the two that definitely fell the most victim to this. Now, I will say that 
as far as certain other of the performances, I'll definitely say that, like I said, and this is in the few areas to me where this improves over the original, because that is still the segment of how this compares to the original. I will definitely take Tadano Asano doing his best Ken Watanabe, specifically from the Godzilla movies, impression as Raiden over whatever the fuck Christopher Lambert was doing in that first movie. You know, literally just sitting there expositing and then just laughing at the material and his fucking yeah. like whatever. I do have a soft spot doing. for him, but yes, he was ridiculous yeah. in that but movie. But yeah, you, you, you remember how much I made fun of it. That, that was like the first of like my many, many good impressions <laughs> on it. And that's still yeah. one of my favorites to do because I'm famously not a fan of him as an actor, but I would definitely take that. And then, like I said, it almost, it, it's weird because just plot wise, this movie feels like it's trying to do a mix of like the more of like the original 95 Mortal Kombat mixed with like kind of the Scorpion slash Sub Zero rivalry that's kind of spawned out of the greater overall Mortal Kombat lore. Because I am aware of the fact that those two were originally much, much smaller like henchmen characters that eventually like became, because they were such fan favorites, eventually ended up developing their own lore um, and ended up becoming like really, really fascinating. And as far as capturing that rivalry, again, I think there's a reason why they were least the first seven minutes of this online for free before the movie even came out considering the fact that that was the most compelling part and subplot of this movie you know literally to the part where they're building up to um his reveal at the end as scorpion now yeah it, well, but in order to kind of bring it back i just well, wanted no, to chime sorry, in off one of your points before we get too far away from it you know you you say something that really is very important the whole scorpion and sub-zero subplot right I felt nothing towards that subplot because we establish it in the beginning and we don't carry that thread through with um, who was the new character right. they created for the movie? Uh, the Cole Young character, right. which again, the fact that we struggle to even remember his name. So if he's like... supposed to be the descendant, you know, 4,000 years removed, which, by the way, the beginning of the movie said 1619, uh, 1619, yeah. and now we're in 2021, so how is that 4,000 years I don't know, but I mean, that, that happened. <laughs> that did happen too, but like, we, we just drop it. We drop it for this terrible sort of team hunt that we go on, which is like, I'm, you know, look, at least the Avengers assembled the team the right way for all my Marvel bashing. Yeah, and they, at the very least, in that movie, built up those characters right. to the sense of where when they started working together at the end, it felt So, so by the time we get back to that, in that sort of last act, that last big fight sequence... I'm like, why are they fighting again? Oh, yeah, the opening sequence an hour and yeah. 50 minutes ago, which I forgot yeah. about, and, and established this. And so the one thing I will yeah. say and about the is... first one, as ridiculous as it is, as terrible as most of those performances are, the script was better. It really was because it at yeah. least established yeah. the narrative and it kept pushing the story beats as lackluster as they were, through to the end. I don't know. What's your take on all that? Because at the very least, the original had a consistent through line. It had its main three heroes. It set them all up. We understood them. It We understood their motivations, and we understood where they would go by the end, right? As terrible as the CG is and as hokey as those set designs are. This has like kind of one cool hero's journey that's kind of mixed into a more interesting journey, hero's journey that we kind of get dropped and are reintroduced to at the last minute while it's throwing in all these different characters as a means of trying to set up for multiple movies. But meanwhile, we're not actually doing a whole lot considering the fact that the entire middle half of this section takes place in a cave where they're just training. And then we have the bullshit, oh, I'm not the real fighter. Okay, go back to your family. Oh, just kidding, you're back in, which I fucking despise about movies. No, I'll, I'll absolutely 
absolutely agree with you. The script in the first one is 1,000 times better. You know, it just ultimately fell victim to the fact that it was a studio that didn't take it seriously at all and then ended up kind of spiraling into this cult hit that was so much bigger. Meanwhile, this is doing all the things that I hate that Warner Brothers does now, which is constantly true, which again, say what you will about Marvel, but at the very least, they are 1,000, they are still kicking Warner Brothers' ass as far as this. And I'll say, well, it is technically Disney, really, which is that Warner Brothers is constantly trying to set up for multi-part installments before they actually have a good consistent story. It's like, what happened? I really don't understand what happened as far as the disconnect or in the last 30 years. It's just happened. eternal catch-up. I mean, Disney's made so much paper in that town. An unfathomable amount. They own 40% of the entertainment industry, and that's not by making bad decisions. You don't grow that that rapidly. I mean, they were at 33% last I checked when we, we started really hanging out and talking in 2016. That's insane that they've grown that much, and it's because they make these decisions. So everyone just, I feel, has this unsurmountable pressure put on them by this corporation that we know as Disney to just play catch up and to just try and catch some of the the wave of oh cool there's a universe now and we need everything to be a universe and man I was really hoping this would have been a standalone that maybe left it open yeah. for one sequel possibly if the fan reception yeah. was strong enough and then what's the first thing I read about as soon as the movie comes back? Oh, Joe Taslim, the actor who portrays Sub-Zero, signed up for four more movies. I'm four? like, of course, of course, oh God. Four, four. What the fuck? That's what too the much. Same shit with Fantastic Beasts. I don't get it. I don't. I'm like, what the hell? Okay, but, but I'm like, really? On, just... on, on like a more serious oh. note, right? Let's being putting my critic hat back on and, and really locking it in. <laughs> Dude, they completely ruin the movie now by telling us that in advance. I mean, I yeah. thought Sub Zero was. was I, I, I don't understand why they do this. I really, really don't. It to me, the minute it's the exact same thing as the Disney Star Wars and Marvel announcements. The minute you announce something like that, not even like oh, again, waiting immediately afterwards, it completely diminishes the value of the yeah. original. Like I still love the Mandalorian season two, but the everything that I loved in that season was completely diminished the minute that it felt like that. Damn, not even before the finale. Aired. They announced 30 different Star Wars projects that were going to be happening. And I'm like, at least wait a little what? bit because Just let people. Wait a little. Let us savor the thing we're that we still, like. We're recording this on Sunday of the opening weekend still. I mean, if the whole. What we know about this going into it is it's going to be Sub Zero is like one of the focal points and there's going to be a big fight. It's like, don't ruin the outcome of that before the masses yeah. have had a chance to see it. It, it, it just builds into my theory that the internet has ruined everything that we love about movies. And the one thing that I'll say before we kind of jump into the next section is that while both of the Mortal Kombat's now that we have are, vi are absolute victims of their time as far as kind of being the pitfalls of everything that's wrong with the filmmaking at the time, at the very least, the first one had such a unique identity in and of itself that it's able to kind of last past any of those versus this one, I feel like, again, it's just going to be remembered as yet another victim of the franchise of the late 2010s and, or, and as we're now seeing apparently still attempted to do in the early 2020s overall. Again, we got we got a break. Man. And I can't believe I'm saying this because again, especially considering that we hated everything, but like was COVID the best thing to have happened to movies mm -hmm. at the very least because we didn't have like any other franchise movies with the exception of that god-awful Wonder Woman 84, well, which was rightfully panned the way that it was. Yeah. You know, I hate to be that person, but I mean... I would say I certainly think it's, it's at least given people a break from the hustle and bustle to sort of reflect on certain things and and hopefully uh 
hopefully we get some changes that maybe make it better for, for everyone involved, the critics, the movie we'll goers, the studios. But I guess if we're going to ask the question of better or worse than the original, I think that's different. I think they're both on varying... They both have strengths and weaknesses that are different from each other. So I would say they kind of fall in about the same area. One has charm. The other has what we love about modern-day action filmmaking. Either way, this franchise has a lot of work to do is where I'll end that one at. Yeah. Definitely. So with that being said, what are your guys' thoughts on how this compares to the original Mortal Kombat? Do you guys think this is better? Do you guys think this is worse? Whatever your thoughts are, leave them in the comment section below. Be sure to click the subscribe button and the bell next to the subscribe button so you get notified every time we put up new content. we got two more topics to hit, obviously. And the first one, again, Chris, you're going to have to take a majority of this one because, as I've said, I'm not the biggest video okay. game guy. I played Pokemon. And that's about it. That's about oh. as extensive as my video game knowledge goes. Yes, we, we, we have discussed this before, <laughs> and it's definitely... I don't know to what extent it's come up on the show to this point, but yes, video game movies. We talked about it at the beginning, obviously, with the whole World of Warcraft and Assassin's Creed of it all back in 2016. And well, look, we all know video game movies have had a long, very strange, and very, very bad history. Again, the Mortal Kombat movie seems to be the exception. We have... Actually, no, there's one other. There's one other that seems to have like kind of survived the test of time, and that's the original, the first... Angelina Jolie starring Lara Croft Tomb Raider movie. You know, you had the remake that happened a couple years ago that everyone's forgotten about. Literally, did you did you even remember that remake? That went, nope, didn't went even that see it. Exactly. I can't see it. I'll exactly. Save those for a, I was never a variety stream because I have a very special history I, I with was, that Tomb Raider franchise. I was never gonna watch that one. Um, and yeah, it's it, I, I feel like to me the biggest example of video game movies and kind of their why they don't succeed in Hollywood is two things. One, obviously, again, the Super Mario Brothers movie during kind of the nineties. It's so weird because the nineties was such a weird decade because of the rise of the indie film movement, and it almost kind of in a way was the first thing that almost killed blockbusters before they came back and they really settled into kind of like the special effects heavy spectacle setting that was really established in the 2010s before kind of the Marvel Disney takeover and the 2000s, sorry, before the Marvel Disney takeover of the 2010s. And I will say that as far as obviously, again, just compared to the greater overall bulk of video game movies, this is definitely a step up because, again, if we're comparing this to something like Assassin's Creed, to something like, I'll even say the, the sequel to Mortal Kombat, which, I, which, again, everyone knows is terrible, Mortal Kombat Annihilation from 97, which I've seen some clips of and, oh man, remember that top 10 like list of like some of the worst movies ever made? This movie goes on that yeah. list without a shadow of a doubt with the Super Mario Brothers movie, with famously another movie that is like known as like one of the worst movies ever, the Dungeons and Dragons movie released in the year 2000 starring Jeremy Irons in one of the most <laughs> bafflingly no hilarious this. performances I've ever seen. Dude, I'm telling you, look it up. Video game movies have had a long history in Hollywood that most people would have liked to have forgotten overall. But now we're in this kind of weird period, right, where... They're starting to pick up, but not really. Where we had the Tomb Raider remake, and that ultimately, I feel like, was just a victim of bad marketing and a bad release date because they stuck it in April. And as we're kind of currently experiencing right now, April is one of those dead months of the year, right? It always kind of has to recover after, like, kind of the initial blockbuster boom of March before we really settle into, like, the summer months. So April is usually never a good time to release a movie overall. And so we got the Tomb Raider remake. We got Warcraft, which again, while not great, was a step in the right direction. And there was something else. And oh, and obviously, again, we have like a couple more adaptations that are coming on down the line that obviously seem to be like kind of more spiritually, but more, more faithful to their original counterparts. Obviously, Last of Us is the big one that I can think of per se. But I don't know. 
know. Like, I guess, where do you think this ranks as far as the whole canon of video game movies? And again, like, you're the guy who's, like, again, even though you may not have seen a lot of the movies, you've played more video games, obviously, than me. So, like, can you, can you talk about kind of, like, certain of the things where it's like, what is it that makes video game storytelling so difficult to translate to the big screen? And kind of why is it that, is it just, like, kind of the overall franchisification and the fact that Hollywood really just didn't know how to adapt them previously and now they're finally learning? Like, talk to me about that because you, you obviously know more about this than sure, me. Sure, yeah. I think it's very unfortunate that there seems to be a stigma around the video game movie. Uh, sort of, it's history is marred with a bunch of failure, and I think it's been an issue, man. I, I don't know why, because we've seen adaptations of books, comics, uh, you know, novels, uh, memoirs, everything, really. I mean, we've seen, you know, adaptations of folk tales and, and folk stories that were orally passed down through history and have been successful. I, I don't understand why video game movies have such a hard time sort of crossing through. I think for one, and there's a stigma that audiences put on it, and I think it's because the studios put this stigma on it. You know, it always seems like there's something about a video game movie that is going to be the reason you go to see it, where as like other movies, it's just like, okay, this is going to be an awesome movie. Like, what do I mean by that? I mean that like with this movie, it seems like they were kind of like, you're going to want to go see this movie because the action's going to be what you didn't get in 1995, because the special effects are going to live up to what you didn't get in 1995. There always has to be like a pull. And, and I just don't know why, because it's like, look at, for example, Knives Out recently just got bought for two movies for an insane amount of money, like $465 million, I believe, to Netflix. There was no, hey guys, Netflix is buying Knives Out because we want more murder mystery in a big house. It was just like, hey, like we bought Knives Out, we have the next two coming, get stoked. That's it. Why do we have to have this sort of hill that these movies live or die on, you know? I don't understand why video game movies are in that position every single time. Like, for example, the World of Warcraft movie. I remember the conversation around that being, okay, this is going to be the video game Lord of the Rings. This is... Why does it have to be something? Why can't it just be a good movie that just happens to be adapted from a video game? So already I think the machine, whether they realize it or not, fails themselves. The studios that end up hiring marketing teams for these movies, they shoot themselves in the foot. Secondly, I think you had a movie that, Detective Pikachu, which didn't do any of that. It was a great film because of that. It was very successful. Audiences really liked it. Critics didn't like it, but that's going to happen. It's a video game movie. I mean, the critics... Yeah. Are critics don't like anything. Critics don't like anything now, unless it's made by a by a well-known filmmaker. That's the only thing critics like now. And even then, right. they don't and, like it. And, you know, look, look at the top movies that have made a billion dollars. Most of those movies, the critics didn't really like. So it's like, that's not the biggest concern. Now. Yeah, nowadays. Um, like Aquaman 2 comes to... I mean, Aquaman 1 comes to mind. But it's just... So, like, with Detective Pikachu, and that's why I'm really glad you started this off with Pokemon, that movie was, like, the first video game movie where I wasn't told to go watch it because of a reason. I was just told to go watch it because it was another movie that was coming out that had normal marketing, had a normal sort of rollout, and for all those reasons, I had no preconceived notion going into it. Like, I think that's a big thing. They put this idea in your mind. They plant this failure, I'll call it. I think they think that it's planting a reason for you to go but really it's you get there but then you're kind of let down by the experience because they put this weird mental block on you whereas with detective pikachu i just went showed up had a great time and 
it was just like a normal movie going experience. If I liked it, it wouldn't have been because of a reason that was already given to me by the marketing. If I didn't like it, it wouldn't have been because of a reason. It would have been because of my own review, my own experience. And I don't know why, but we're in this, like Assassin's Creed is another great example. They were just like, man, this is going to be the Ezio Auditore that you did not get in the games. And it's like, again, why? we don't need that, man. Like you're just ruining, I don't, and that's why I'm really happy this Halo TV show that's coming out has been so vague. That's the other one that I was and, trying to think about. Yeah, I love Halo, guys, just so you know. And I really hope we don't play the stupid game that we play because it's almost like, and I get it, until video games came around, music and movies were kind of split in the lion's share of the entertainment industry. And now video games are just the biggest export of our country. They're Dominated. just crushing it. And, and they make so much more money than either of those industries combined. There could be some bitterness there. I like to think there might not be, but... You tell me, man, because Sonic was set up for failure, so I don't know. Sonic was set up for failure, and Sonic ended up being way better than they thought it would be. So that I do find it funny, and I do find it constantly funny how the, th- the every time it seems that Hollywood again, it's like either set something up for failure, obviously they shoot themselves in the foot, and then it's always the things that they put either minimal or little to no marketing behind that end up being the the best. Like Raya and the Last Dragon, obviously again, just to kind of pivot back to a point you made earlier, that movie was great and it was fantastic, and it had like no marketing behind it. I saw like one trailer for it, and that was it. And the only announcement they did was, oh. Watch this on Disney Plus for $30.99. It's like, bruh, like, I, I don't understand kind of the mentality that goes into why they market certain things over others, right? But that's Hollywood, right? I don't pretend yeah. to understand that. We've been talking for years about Hollywood's hypocrisy, right, and their own kind of overall indulgence and self-importance, but... You are right. I definitely think you hit the nail on the head as far as kind of certain of the marketing goes where you're right as far as certain of like the video games like kind of set themselves up for failure just based on because it always feels like, you know, what has to have that thing. Oh, come see Mortal Kombat in order to see the fights. Oh, come see like was Assassin's Creed in order for like this set piece. Oh, come to see Warcraft, you know, because it's going to be the Lord of the Rings. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like whenever you make that specific reference, right, you can use as many general pronouns and adjectives when it comes to promoting something when it comes to trying to hype something up as you can. But the minute that you get into something specific, that's when your movie's torpedo because then you're already setting it up for a precedent that is already going to be hard enough for it to overcome because the thing that you're probably comparing it to is already so lauded and so beloved that you're already kind of putting the stigma in people's minds that, oh, there's no possible way that this could be as good as that. So I definitely think that's something as far as marketing goes that they need to get away from. But the other thing that I'll add to that based... Not on my knowledge of video game because, again, I know nothing about video games. I don't play them primarily. A majority of the time, whenever people are talking about them, I... As far as kind of the technological aspects, I, I can, like, kind of relate as far as that goes. But for the most part, I have no knowledge of it. But I definitely think that another kind of difficulty that it comes, besides the marketing of it all, with the storytelling aspects, come from the fact that for the longest time, long-form storytelling was really more so reared for disposable, let's call it. Um, storytelling in Hollywood, which is that TV only recently became lauded as this phenomenon in the last, like, 10, 15, 20 years, right? Before that, it was all kind of just disposable. You turn it on that Monday night, you know, if you don't watch it and you miss it, and then everyone else is talking about that one thing, right? That was the, the idea of the water cooler, right? But ultimately, it was the fact that it was low budget and disposable, and the fact that they could just use it as a means in order to distract people while they ran their advertising, right? That has been TV for the longest time in America, and it only 
recently has not been that. And I think that the reason why you're seeing a slight improvement as far as the storytelling goes is before, a lot of the storytelling that went into video games did not situate itself for one two-hour movie because there was usually just too much story to tell among many, many other factors. But now, you're starting to see a sense of where you have a lot more long-form and a lot more experimental storytelling techniques. Again, I don't know how this boded that well for that movie because as you saw... For a two-hour movie, A, it sped by way too fast, and B, it barely felt like there was enough story to constitute it, and it definitely felt like there was something that was being stretched out and saved for other movies when we could have just had it all in one movie. We could have just had one awesome movie. So it's weird how this ended up being kind of the reverse of that, but that's kind of like, let's say, kind of my two cents are added in. It's probably much more so has to do with your stance because you're right at the end of the day. This is all about business and marketing, and that is the reason why, the primary reason why we love the majority of the movies that we love. But again, it is also good storytelling, and I I feel like that builds also well into our next segment that we're yeah, going to talk totally. about. Yeah, totally. And so the last thing I'll do is I'll give my, I guess, definitive answer to the question of this segment, right? Is this a good video game movie? Look, the bar's not high. I actually do think this is a good video game movie. I don't think it's a good movie, though. I think that that factors into the stigma around the genre. But I also just think that this genre, if it ever wants to be taken as seriously as, you know, adaptations of other mediums, like I've given so many examples of at the beginning of this segment, they need to up their game, which I think our next segment is really going to dive into and explain to you guys why they will never be taken seriously until they do so. Yeah. Definitely. So with that being said, those are our thoughts as to whether this was a good video game movie or not. Again, do you agree? What are some of your favorite video game movies? Do you even have any video game movies that you actually like? If you do, I, if you have more, if you can list more than five, I will be amazed. <laughs> Honestly, let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Be, be sure to click the like button and the subscribe button on this video. Click the bell next to it. That way you guys get notified. And make sure you also follow us on our social media pages at Face Talking TV Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Now, Chris. You brought this segment up, right? I feel like the first three segments were pretty self-explanatory just as far as talking about this movie. It kind of fit into all, it kind of checked all those boxes rather nicely. But you brought up this segment, and I didn't really think about it at first, but ultimately I'm like, yeah, it's it, this is a, this is definitely a good idea. Which again, it's a it, it's kind of like an extra segment that we added when we did uh, when we did our script read for Colin Trevorrow's episode nine, Duel of the Fates, which I think it's safe to say we all enjoyed vastly more than the Rise of Skywalker movie that we got in theaters. It's the strength of the screenplay, right? It's a thing that constantly feels so overlooked and the least important of aspect when it comes to filmmaking just because of all the bells and whistles as far as the set production and the post-production and the marketing and the Hollywood machine of it. But it's constantly kind of to be very undervalued as far as the fact that, yeah, these are still stories at the end of the day, and we do still watch these for their inherent storytelling value. It's why I hate the idea of Hollywood constantly trying to throw these versus titles into the movies, because it's like you're trying to turn them into wrestling events, and it's like, dude, that doesn't do anything for the story. It doesn't interest me at all when the title, like, even fucking, you even have that interview that I sent you with Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio talking about the fact that the idea of the movie being called Batman versus Superman was fucking stupid and the and that had the studio had that title come up with months before they even hired them to write the script and write the movie just because they thought it would look good on lunchboxes it's the whole batman returns thing over and over again so as far as kind of the whole marketing versus and constantly how that constantly seems to super impede and overwrite the things that we actually love about these movies which are the stories like 
It's this movie again. Like, I feel like all new movies now are exceptions to that because every new movie that we have to take with a grain of salt because we don't know how much they were affected by the pandemic. I actually have a great story about how Falcon and Winter Soldier was affected by the pandemic that I'm going to tell you about after this podcast because, oh man, I feel like it'll change all of our thoughts on that series overall. I just kind of reveal some, let's just say, unflattering things about Disney and their business practices globally. But, like, I, I mean, we talked about kind of what this does as far as video game storytelling and action storytelling, and that's all fine and good, but, like, I'm sorry, I don't want to watch a movie where they're just sitting around in a cave training for, like, 45 minutes, you know? And then he just goes back to his family, fights Goro, and then they just come back and they just, like, have one fight that feel, that takes 20 minutes, but it feels like it's 10 without fast it goes. You know, that's not an engaging, cool storytelling to me, you know? I, well, I thought, like, I mean, I, again, I'm not going to do that thing where I super impede my thoughts on what I thought the story should have been, but, like, it had to have been more than that, you know? Yeah, man, it's, you know, it's frustrating because... I think that this movie did everything right when they got to location, when they started shooting. Awesome. Like, visually? Yeah, awesome Because here's the thing. What I will give this movie over any other video game movie, with the exception of a few sequences in that World of Warcraft film, which, if you guys are just tuning into the clips now, we've said that that is the closest to a successful video game movie that we've seen in quite a long time. Detective Pikachu was awesome. It was a fun ride, but cinematically, it was nothing special. We know that. It's that type of movie. Oh, see, that's where I'm going to disagree. That's where I'll disagree with you, but I'll save my thoughts for later on. I still love okay, that I mean, movie. I love that movie. It was in my top ten of the year. I'm just saying it's I know. It's not, I know. The shots in this film did not feel like video game movie cinematography. They felt more. They felt like a really cool action film. Like It, it felt like I was actually watching a normal movie that didn't have this preconceived notion around it. What I was watching, you know, sort of paying attention to the cinematography as a critic, it's something that our eyes gravitate towards, and I'm sure you guys, if you're here as well, would agree with me, or at least be able to see there was a level of cinematography in this film that most video game movies don't have. Set designs were awesome. We, we know that the budget probably wasn't the, the most for this because of how often we stayed in locations, but they made it work. They really did. It was very intriguing. Visually, with the choreography, they kept my eyes on the screen. They did that. But they did not keep me from thinking about other things while watching this movie. So everything that I thought they did right when Boots got on the ground, when they started, you know, rigging up their cameras and, and you know, blocking out the shots, does not matter. Because it all lives and dies on the script you are given. By the story. And it was so terrible. I mean... You can have one character, I suppose, who's going to be the, um, you know, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, the, the Josh Lawson of the film. You can have one Kano who can't act that well, who's the big muscular guy, who sort of is the conduit to get you to the place because he knows how to get... Like You can have the one sort of like vessel to transport you to the main plot point. Sure, bad writing still, but we've seen movies recover from yes. that trope. The problem is when you have every actor who is they're not flat, they're 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 just too over like they're too into it. Like they're just there's no nuance, yeah. okay? There's no human humanization to their performances. They're all so ridiculous. They are cartoony and so whereas the video game aspect, I think the cartoony aspect is awesome in the action. It's awesome in sort of the cinematography, the way we build out these set pieces you need some human element. You need to make it feel like a movie. And it, that, that lives or dies by your actors in this. And the casting was part of the problem, but dude, this was the worst, one of the worst examples I've seen of the hero's journey. I mean, 
it's it's Mortal yeah. Kombat. Yeah. And okay, we didn't get the tournament. That's fine. We know there's going to be other movies. But like who's going to be in it? We we killed half the cast first of all, like of the big players. Right. Second of all, it's like after that opening sequence, which was so well written, everything just gets flushed down the toilet and we're like somehow moving at a thousand miles per hour, yet we come out of this hour and 50 minute slog feeling like we've learned nothing. It's a very confusing phenomenon, right. this movie, in that regard. Yes. It's it's kind of insane as far as that goes. And I couldn't agree with you more as far as that, as, as just as far as the casting goes. Because, yeah, you're right. It, it, it definitely doesn't help when it feels like Josh Lawson, who I won't say is bad in the movie, but it definitely feels like he's trying to overcompensate because he almost knows that the material is bad. You know, that that is, is in a sense. Because you're right, because I'll actually go the opposite of you. I don't necessarily think that the characters are larger-than-life cartoons. I actually disagree. I think that it's the fact that these characters should be larger-than-life, and they should be over-the-top. Like, to me, I'll always go back to the moment in the original Mortal Kombat when Johnny Cage hands Liu Kang a suitcase thinking, you know, again, stereotypically thinking that he's the hired hell and he just chucks his suitcase into the river and just with a big fat smile on his face. I will always go back to that moment because that to me says more character about Liu Kang than whatever the fuck Looney Lin was doing in this movie, which again, just with that specific instance, I'm still not convinced that the Black Power Ranger from the Power Rangers 2017 movie, which again, I feel like is another example of just, you know, getting like a hokey, bizarre, over-the-top property and just kind of draining all the fun out of it. I'm still not sold on his acting ability, but like, you have a guy with robot arms, a guy that can literally, a guy that can like shoot fireballs out of nowhere. By the way, could Luke Kang ever do that before? Like, just as a quick side note, could Luke Kang ever do that, or was that a new thing that they threw into this I don't movie? Know. Not my games that I played. Yeah. Not my type of games. A, a, a guy, a guy that can shoot thunderbolts and has an Embo hat. You know, and I'll call it an Embo hat because Dude, literally the way that he was using hat that hat, I'm like, oh, Embo was from Captain Clone America's Wars. Shield. Let's just be honest about that. <laughs> He literally... It did more damage than it did Captain America's shield. They literally use it as Captain America's shield. I hate that Marvel always comes up. you've You've got all these characters, right, led by a Raiden who can actually act for one thing. And I'll get to Shang Tsung, too, and Shin Han's performance that he's doing. And you mean to tell me that they're all kind of just flat and boring? Like, what? And the fact that, like, you don't even have Sub-Zero cracking any one-liners and, like, you're building up to, like... uh, And the fact that, first of all, you can't even have the main guy overcome the villain. He literally has to pull from his ancestry. But first off, just from a screenwriting standpoint, that doesn't work. Because because the one thing you never do is you never just swap out your main character for another character because of, like, again, just bullshit, you know, fan reaction or whatever. In order to, like, satisfy the clip from the beginning. No, it's like... that's the through line that you're going to pursue through the movie. Pursue Wait, that through about? line, you know? As far, as far as, like, kind of when Cole is battling Sub-Zero, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it is still Scorpion's victory. Oh, right, right? yeah. It's still Scorpion's yeah, okay. victory. It's still Scorpion that ultimately kind of saves the day and has kind of the hero's journey resolution moment before he turns to Cole and ultimately makes Cole, like, a bystander in his own goddamn So that's what movie. I was talking about. You know? Which that's is- what I was talking about. And the, we establish this is history, this ancient history that the whole movie's predicated on, but we never come back to it. We never have Cole embody his bloodline. We never have him have that moment that we look for in the hero's journey where he accepts the mantle of his legacy. And so when Scorpion right. comes back, if he would have had this moment where he realizes he's not just fighting for his wife, he's not just fighting for his daughter, right? He's fighting for 4,000 years of his lineage, which he now has realized because of how the earth is under attack. Like, I shouldn't have to do this right now, by the way, but like <laughs> the movie's 
should have already done this, but because the earth is under attack Again, and it's up yeah. to him, and I know you could do this too, it's nothing crazy, he has to pick up that torch and he has to carry it through the darkness. And then it would make that moment right. of Scorpion coming back and the 4,000 years of history and lineage collide to be this special big thing. But instead, we have 45 minutes of fights with no added element to the plot other than amazing yep. special effects and it just falls short. Not to mention the fact that I can literally think of Chris. I can literally tell you one decision, and I'll end it here because again, I I don't think that like I feel like we need to talk about this anymore because I feel like we've already discussed a lot of our problem. But I can literally think of one decision that I feel like would have fixed everything. So you know how throughout the movie Cole is having flashes to Scorpion, right? And then you have again another big exposition dump where Raiden tells him that obviously Scorpion, you know, or uh, as he was previously known, Hasashi was trapped in Nether Realm, right? But then Raiden obviously rescued the kid that would eventually probably be like Cole's great, 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 whatever grandmother, you know, going back however that far. Again, just the math in this movie just makes no sense. But you know what would have already made that better? Please tell. Is if when Scorpion comes back. Scorpion fights Sub-Zero while Cole is trying to free his family, whatever. And then they, their spirits, like, merge, and they realize that they have to combine their strength in order to defeat their shared enemy, which also preserves the bloodline. That one is... How the fuck right. am I, somebody who has never played a Mortal Kombat game in my entire life, is able to come up with that one instance that would have solved, I feel like, everyone... I don't necessarily know if it would have solved the problems that we have with the other final fights and how the fact of, like, oh, it's, like, automatically just dispersing these guys out in order to fulfill their flimsy character arcs, you know, yeah. with Jackson, Sonya, and Liu Kang and all that, and, you know, whatever. But, like, just that one decision, at the very least, at the very least, it would have solved the one crucial bit that you needed in order to fulfill this hero's journey that you were going on, right? Yeah. Just that one little nugget. And again, it wouldn't have solved every problem, but it would have yeah, been a it would have been. Look, the two suggestions we both just spitballed right now in our off-the-cuffs conversation were more compelling than anything we got. It's such a shame because yeah. I looked it up. The budget's $55 million. I really think they nailed yeah. so many of the technicals in regards to this film. The problem is Raiden was such a key player in 95. As silly as he was, he got you to understand yep. the calamity of the situation. Yep. He got the, the fighters to be engaged and worthwhile players in the story. He was non-existent in this movie. You want to bring Jax and Sonya yeah. into it? Okay, there might be some history there in the video games. We didn't know we didn't know any of it. All we knew was that they right. had met and that she respected him and that he brought out the best in her, so now it's her turn. But but what did he bring out? What was there? <sighs> and also, why the fuck is Sonya the exposition machine for the origin of Mortal Kombat? How does she know all yeah. of that? Like just we had we had what? Like I, I know I know I'm nitpicking now, but like just certain little things that I'm like I know that I noticed almost immediately, and I'm like, like I mean, what? Like why is this away, happening? away, man, because I agree. It's like we had an hour and fifty minutes, yet I feel like there was so much of this movie that must be left on the editing room floor, yeah. so to speak. I know it's all digital now, yeah. but it's like Jesus, man. And 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 Chin Han, look, I love Chin Han, and I love I love him as an actor. I think he's the most underrated part of the Dark Knight, and I love how like kind of into this movie was, and how much kind of like promotion on his own page he was doing for. And I I did dig his performance as Shang Tsung. It was certainly different than the original guy who did it, and I will certainly say that. It was not at all one of the worst parts about this movie, and I'll definitely say that as far as like kind of being an intimidating villain, I almost wanted to see kind of like more of him and everything that was going on with Outworld and his whole thing. But like, he has one cool scene where he drains Kung Lao, yeah. and also and also Kung Lao, like what? Like what? What was that character even supposed to be? He's there for two seconds. He has one cool kill, and then he gets he yeah, gets killed. I know. Like I know what? It's yeah. Poor time management. Anyways, yes. 
It really is. It really is. Yeah. So, as far as that goes, I feel like that's really all that we have to say about the strength of the screenplay. Final thoughts? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go too much based off my Letterbox review that well, I have quick, written. If you guys this uh, one, liked all I'll... these segments, be sure to subscribe. Hit that bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a post. Like this video so you can see more from us. And understand that we post seven days a week, guys. So if, if Mortal Kombat's not here for you, if other films have let you down recently, maybe you didn't like Godzilla vs. Kong, doesn't matter. Talking TV is here for you. Seven days a week, 24-7. Yeah. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talking TV Podcast. And just join the community, man. Everyone's welcome here, and we would love to see you on future videos. Yes. So, final thoughts on the movie overall. I'll just read a bit from my letterbox review because I feel like this basically says what I, I, I kind of summarizes my thoughts overall on this the best, which is that the plot is substandard. They literally train in a cave and then fight the bad guys in a series of random locations that look kind of cool. The critics are all over the place on this one, and understandably so because they were probably because I think the majority of them were hoping that this was going to be another continuation of say like another gigantic spectacle piece like Godzilla versus Kong that brings people out to the theaters in droves, right? Because that's ultimately what they're trying to do right they're trying to put the emphasis back on theaters which again why they're trying to fight a dying battle because i feel like they should be smart enough to know the fact that the only direction that people ever move is forward and as of right now streaming is the forward thing so whatever that's the that that's happening and this was certainly not that but i will say that it is certainly a competently made action movie with a few cool set pieces a story that relied on its cast problematic as that was to make it work and I'll say a good lore, even if it wasn't well built out at all, but it couldn't be setting up more for sequels if it tried, and while it's certainly not the worst, it's not the best overall. So that's why, ultimately, I, again, I'll, I'm definitely going a little bit nicer because, again, there were still, I, I will say I was definitely into it for the first half before they literally just kind of fast-forwarded through the second half, so I give this three and a half out of wow. five stars. Okay. No, great points all around, man. I think this was a really cool discussion. I think we brought a lot to the table in regards to this movie, which I, I don't think a lot of people would do, and I think that's uh, a testament to us, man. I really yeah. enjoyed this one, and I wish I could have enjoyed this yes. movie as much. Um because listen, I, I want competition in the marketplace, guys. I want there to be someone to challenge the Marvel machine. I, you know, I, I really want to sort of because competition brings out the best in your opponent, and I think that you know there's been some complacency with Marvel and Disney and that machine lately because they don't have a competitor in the ring. And I was hoping that these Mortal Kombat characters could step into the ring with them, both figuratively and literally. Unfortunately, it fell short. I think it had a lot of strengths, but the problem is, man, this movie lives and dies on the script. I, I hope it makes enough money to get a second made. Now that I know they have five planned, I hope they don't cut it short because I, I really think the technicals were so strong where I want more, even though the writing was terrible. And I think you can fix a bad sort of origin first film. I think we've seen that before. I think it can recover. It's going to be difficult because this movie, they covered a lot of ground simultaneously while covering no ground. And just regards to how many characters they killed um, that were essential in the 95 and 97 movies. But man, this is a tough one to grade because for as much as I loved it and as much as I want competition and genuinely enjoyed like the technicals, I really can't go higher than like a 2.3. And and given that extra yeah. point three was really because of the points that you brought up that I thought were pretty strong and, and sort of allowed me to reevaluate in real time my opinion on it. I want this series to do well. I'm always rooting for big blockbuster action competition, but they have a lot of work to do. So that's a two point three for me. Yeah, they do. 
And just the, the script work is just not yeah. there. And unfortunately, like, until the point where we actually start to see some things that are, like, actually good that can provide good combination. I'm sorry, but it's still just Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. That's the only thing that I've seen so far that actually provides good competition yeah. to Marvel. Because Zack Snyder's the, apparently and, the only guy that, like, still makes movies. Like, you know, And it movies. wasn't even received well, apparently. <laughs> so yeah, that well, sucks. What does that say? Look, critics, critics are going to hate. That's all I got to say. So with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to yet another fantastic podcast episode. This was a lot of fun. We definitely broke a lot of ground overall. Again, tune in. We got a lot of stuff coming for you guys in the month of May overall. We're finally finished with Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we got about a month until the next one of these Disney things hits us and becomes the epicenter of conversation again. Let us know your thoughts on Mortal Kombat in the comment section below. Be sure to like this video, click the subscribe button, click the bell next to it so you guys can get notified every time you can, uh, every time we put up a new video overall. My brain is just like on fast. <laughs> For. Like you guys know the drill as far as everything that you got to do as far as that. Chris, where can the good people find you sure, online? Yeah, they can find me here, of course, at Talking TV Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I sometimes might answer you. Dom sometimes might answer you. It's a grab bag. You never know who you'll get. So if you got a question or a comment, it's like a box, yeah, of, chocolates. box of chocolates. Send it there. Um, you can follow me personally at Christian Ivanko. Ivanko spelled E V A N K O, knockout for Mortal Kombat. Um, and Ooh. I plan to knock you guys out. We got one fatality in this movie. We got one fatality. <laughs> we That's did. It. At least we got that. Um, I do plan to knock you guys yeah, yeah, on your least. feet, rather. I don't want to knock anyone out, but if my music does that to you, then that would just be a great compliment, and I would hope you were okay. Okay, LL Cool J. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm working on new music, guys. I have an expansive catalog as well, which you can go listen to right now through the links in my bio on all of the major social medias. I'm talking Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, anywhere, really, other places too. Um, I have a personal YouTube channel. Follow it at Christian Ivanko, and also I have another podcast called Talking with Andrew and Chris. Talking spelled the same way we do it here. That gets you into more of my music side. This is a show about life, music, and everything in between. I thank you guys for your time, for supporting the show, and I hope to see you there. And uh, Dom, what about you, man? Where can our amazing fans find you? At Movie Nerd Reviews on Facebook and Instagram, but mostly on our social media pages for this amazing podcast at Talking TV Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I don't have any sarcastic posts to leave with you guys today, so the only thing I'm going to say is 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies and demand more from your artists, more quality. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>